Hey book friends, this is Corey. Thanks for listening along as we have a book club of two over a cup of tea. Our goal is to explore beloved genres as well as push ourselves out of our comfort zone and explore genres we might typically overlook or avoid. In each episode, we discuss a randomly selected genre. We will be sharing our reading experience and a brief review of the books we recommended to each other from the previous episode. Also a heads up, so that we can have a rich and in-depth conversation or maybe spoilers about the books we are discussing. All right, let's get started. This is Season 2, Episode 9, and today we are talking poetry. Poetry. Which... If Curie was dreading short stories, I was probably dreading poetry. Oh, that's another <laughs> difference that we have. Yeah, And you should have seen us. Our editor likes for us to do 15 seconds of quiet. So we were making <laughs> these ridiculous faces at each other. Like Curie was like trying to like tell me to be shh. And I'm like, I am being quiet. Shut up. <laughs> and she's like dancing around trying to make me laugh. Then. And I'm like, you just told me to be quiet. <laughs> so we're a little punchy. This is our second episode that we're recording today. Um, because bada bing, bada boom. Because we had some technical difficulties that you'll have already heard about by the time you hear this one. <laughs> Three episodes ago. Three episodes ago. We're a little out of sequence, too. Yeah. Just keeping ourselves on our toes. Yep. Indeed, indeed. Keep it interesting. How's it going with you? Pretty good. I am entering my last week of teaching, so that is exciting. And then I will transition into working a little bit more at the bookstore. But I'm going to try and limit myself to about 20 to 25 hours a week so that I can you know, be a little footloose and fancy free. Are you still going to be able, are you still going to get paid for school? I am. So you made it so that they take out less in Uh, the school uh year so that you have it Mm -hmm. during the summer. That's the one advantage of being a teacher that I kind of want to do is you get to make it so that your paycheck, Mm -hmm. you don't get to work for three months and you still get paid. It's pretty, pretty, pretty cool. I want that. I know. So I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to doing lots of reading, lots of podcast work and some camping and hiking and biking and tennis oh I joined a tennis league for the summer so I'm super excited to just this will be I I can't even remember the last time that I had an experience like this because even when I was in grad school last I worked full-time in the summer so I didn't take the summer off this is lame I don't like this (laughs) I want to take the summer off well become a teacher I don't really know that then I don't know what to tell you Become a seasonal employee and take the winter off. Why would I want the winter off? You could sleep and read. Oh, and yeah. drink tea. Never leave your house. I don't think I have any problem sleeping, drinking tea, or reading. Fair enough. <laughs> but you get paid to do it. That's true. That would be nice. Anyway. Anyways, how are you? Good. Yeah. I feel like the transition from winter to spring has kind of thrown me off a little bit. Mm. Like it's so light out in the morning now. Mm-hmm. And I like that because yeah. then I don't have to use my alarm clock, but literally sleeping in for me now is six thirty. Yeah. I'm the same way. Well, and we have the puppy alarm clock who That's true. is squeaking and squealing at 6am. Sometimes we can sleep until six thirty. So yeah. Whew, puppy times. They're rough. It's kind of, I, I can, now I get it. Like I hate to compare my dogs to children, but in a way they are. And Yes, you kind of forget all the, like, headache stuff of a right. young dog. Just, like, I think when parents are like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I was how it is with a baby. <laughs> like, how can you forget? Yeah. It's so painful. Luckily, Chester was five when we got him, so mm-hmm. he's he was a mature dog. A mature he dog. He had all his naughty behaviors out of him. Yeah, we're, we're in the thick of it. Whew. Do you need a good dog trainer? Yeah. <laughs> 
Anyways, so what are we drinking today? Oh, we're drinking Plum Plum Deluxe because I love them so much. Hi, Andy. Hi, Andy. So today I decided to try their vanilla latte tea because I like lattes Mm. with espresso Mm -hmm. and I like vanilla Mm -hmm. and I like tea. So the three words just kind of morphed into Kiri's dream selection. And I actually think this might be my favorite tea I've had so far. Oh, Yeah. And we're drinking it black right now, but I had it mm, two days ago and I added a little bit of milk in it and it did create that sort of latte taste to it. Black is a little bit more tart I feel like mm-hmm. but it does have some honey bush tea in it ground oh, okay. cardamom vanilla essence and then it's just a general black tea blend so what I love about plum deluxe amongst other things is that they create these cute little sentences to describe their tea and this one says the comfort food of tea lovers a delightful balance of sweet and spice oh yeah I can see that yeah I will say, I'm not usually a milk in my tea kind of girl, but as I was sipping on this, I was like, yeah, I could see how yeah. something creamy mm-hmm. um, would add an extra element. I think just because it has kind it does kind of taste like a latte in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And I think just adding that cream to it, I, I bet you would be really good with a vanilla creamer, like a splash. I think that'd be too much. A drop. I'm, a, I'm such a sucker for vanilla. Like vanilla, everything, <laughs> all over everything. Yeah, it um, smells so good. It's such a comfort smell and I taste. Yeah, I'm making yeah. my own vanilla extract. It's Ooh, very fun. Or did you use bourbon or vodka? Vodka. Okay. Because I read reviews on bourbon, and then the bourbon overtook the flavor of the vanilla. Got it. Yeah. What are you doing, bourbon? I think Robert used bourbon. Yeah. We'll have to check with him after the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what we had in the house. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. I went and specially bought vodka. Nice. And it was buy one, get one free. So I bought two because, I mean, you just can't not when it's buy one, get one free. Was it good vodka? I mean, it's Smirnoff vodka. But it's for the vanilla. Okay. I think I need to add more vanilla beans, though, because it's not turning very dark. Got it. But vanilla beans are crazy expensive. They are crazy expensive. Yeah. It is insane. Anyway, I digress. We need to talk about the tea again. So. (laughs) Yeah, I I like it. I think... um, for me, I think the milk would, it's almost a touch too sweet for me just on its own, which is surprising. Weird. I think it must be the honey bush. I think that honey bush, I think it gets its name because it has a bit of a sweetness to it. Yeah. I think I taste more vanilla. Mm. Like there's like a sweetness to the vanilla essence that they've used. Yeah, that could be it. But it's a it's a really nice, pleasant tea. Mm-hmm. It's good for a cold, windy March day in Flagstaff. Yeah. So I think I, I give it a thumbs up. Yeah. And didn't you tell me you just joined their tea club? I did, because I just can't get enough of Plum Deluxe. So it's starting maybe next time we record or two times, I'll have a subscription tea box to share with you all, which we have a link to our on our blog about mm-hmm. joining their tea subscription yeah. service. It's $30 for three months. So $10 a month. Yep. And then you get a whole bunch of... You get one tea selection and then like two tester teas and a whole bunch of other little tea accessories and it'll be a fun little present for us. Oh, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. So yeah, so you can, um, I think, and I think you can use our discount. Yeah, books and tea. To podcast to get a discount on the tea club too. Oh, I didn't do that, but yeah, you can also use that 
that code to get discounted teas mm-hmm. and accessories if you just want to order separate things. Yeah. And what's nice about Plum Deluxe is that they're constantly changing what they have available. So I tried to look for the autumn spice chai that we did a few weeks ago, uh-huh. and it's not on their website anymore because oh. they're constantly changing what they're what they're brewing. Okay. So it's nice because you can check in a month and there will be some of the same teas, but then there will be mm-hmm. new flavors and they keep it interesting. Ooh, and fun news. We just made a decision on our books and tea tea. Yeah. That we're going to get through Plum Deluxe and we're going to have it. We're we're not going to tell you what it is yet. You'll have to wait for the grand unveiling. Yeah. We're actually going to do two. So there will be a caffeinated and a non-caffeinated one. Yeah. And they're both delish. Delicious. Yeah. All thanks to Andy. Yes. So stay tuned. That'll be coming up soon. And you'll be able to purchase your very own Books and Tea podcast tea. Yeah. To to drink while you're listening to us. Yeah. So amazing. Okay. So do you have some notes about poetry? Yeah. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) You know, yeah. Okay. So um, I did do a little research on poetry history. Thank you, Wikipedia, as always. So when, do you know the first, uh, do you know which poem is what they consider the first noted poem in history? No. (laughs) It's called the Epic of Gilgamesh. Well, one place said the Epic of Gilgamesh is considered the first work of early epic poetry. Epic. But then I found a second source that said the tale of the shipwrecked sailor. But we're talking um, either 1800 or 2500 BC. So uber, uber old. Yeah. Like almost 5,000 years old. Yeah. And the one thing that I found out that makes perfect sense is poetry actually predates literacy, like written literacy, because Mm. they used to pass along oral history. Oh. And poetry was an easy way to memorize things yeah and i was like oh that's cool so that makes perfect sense yeah right Mm -hmm. and then of course probably the ones that people think of when they think of really old especially epic poetry would be the iliad and homer and uh, the odyssey by homer but that was in um just to give you perspective oh i didn't write it down but i want to say that's like 800 900 ad that's not bc is it i don't think so yeah i think it's ad um but still pretty early and then, you know, then they start moving into more modern stuff. So, of course, Shakespeare is one of our, you know, he created the sonnet. Well, he didn't create the sonnet, but he's best known for the sonnet, mm-hmm. which is your iambic pentameter. It's the only thing I remember from high school literature and having to do poetry. I took a Shakespeare class as an English major oh. in college, and that was the only English class I got a C in. You know, I was just listening to another podcast, and they were, and it was someone who actually owns a theater company, mm-hmm. and she was saying that she hates to read Shakespeare, and she feels like Shakespeare should only be done as a play. Yeah, and that's I was, yeah, yeah. I was like, that makes sense. Have you gone to the local Shakespeare? It is so cool. I know. I know. We should go this. Well, this summer I should have time. Yeah. So it's totally one of my goals. To yeah. Go. Yes. Chris and I, or I've gone a couple times. Chris came with me last summer for the first time, and it was so good. Yeah. Those characters are so fascinating. They are. Anybody who plays a Shakespeare character has to be interesting. (laughs) So. Yep. So, yeah. Okay. So, poetry. Oh, you look so sad. (gasps) So, I'm going to let you go first. 
So I picked The Princess Saves Herself in this one by Amanda Lovelace. Mm -hmm. And this one is similar to... Milk, milk and honey. Milk and honey. Ru- yeah, they, they have the same sort of... Which is part of my problem. <laughs> I was like, O-M-F-er. It's the same freaking shit. I think because I Googled... Or I, like, typed in milk and honey. Uh-huh. And it popped up this one. I was like, okay, we'll just do this one then. Because gotcha. I didn't know what I was... I wasn't... Yeah. Right. Well, so. and I picked milk and honey. So, so here's the thing. This is what I was worried about. Is I picked milk and honey... Milk and Honey was not my first choice, but I picked it because I wanted to see what the buzz was about. Right. See what I did there? Yeah. Milk and Honey. Buzz. Yes. You're not clever. God dang it. <laughs> I want to be so clever. Uh, but no, I truly did want to see what all the hype was about. And I wish that I had gone with my gut instinct um, of going with the one book of poetry that I've recently bought that I do like. Or that I'd gone with Samaria Oliver, which I'd wanted to explore. Um, and um, so we can talk a little bit more and as we unfold. But I do want to put a plug in, and we'll put a link for Urban Tumbleweed. It's called Notes from a Tonka Diary. And so I did a little reading on this. Tonka is like haiku, mm-hmm. um, but there's not, but there's more syllables. But it's kind of the same idea where you write about nature, seasons, love, sadness. Um, it uses simile, metaphor, personification, and it's been around for like 1,200 years. Gotcha. And so it's really short poems, mm-hmm. but what Harriet Mullen does is her poetry is all about exploring spaces where city and the natural world collide, and she wrote them while she was wandering around the city of Los Angeles. Hmm. And they're really simple, brief poems, uh, but I think for me, all this writing about emotions and breakups and <laughs> sex and shit i was just like i am so over this by this third poem i'm like i get it Mm. i get it with Mm. both of them i was just like listen and i fell in love with them completely and utterly so the one preface for my book is that it is a trigger both of them are trigger alerts yeah so amanda lovelace does have a trigger warning at the very beginning of her book that if you've had any sort of anything to maybe not read it if Mm -hmm. you're um Having a hard time with it. And with this book, it's broken out into the princess, the damsel, the queen, and then you. And so it kind of goes through this story of... Growing up. Growing up. The, <laughs> yeah, everything about growing up. heart, Heartache, love, knowing yourself, to finding your room. inner beauty... To family, yeah, to, I mean, the not so good things of rape and child abuse and death death and coming out of that. I mean, what I really liked about both of these books is that they reminded me of the phoenix. Like, mm. okay. you have the phoenix, right? right. And then, she, the yep, yep, and it's like you're in a dust pile of shit and then something beautiful comes out of it if you can find the courage to be stronger than what people have told you that you're not. Okay. And I think I probably really enjoyed this more because I did have a super hard childhood of being bullied and being in a lot of ways unloved by the people that were raising me and Mm -hmm. told that my opinions don't matter. And, you know, it just very abusive, both emotionally, mentally Mm -hmm. and physically in some cases. And so I think I really identified with these because it was this beautiful exploration of, 
there is a shit storm of life sometimes that happens. Mm. But if you can find those little nooks and crannies of light, like mm. you can get through it. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the light at the end of the tunnel. So you're yeah. in the midst of darkness and you just mm-hmm. keep walking in hopes to find that little light to guide you home. Gotcha. So I really liked them. Um, they're all... It's a story. She does a pretty good job of kind of having each poem. They don't have titles, um, but they all kind of tie in together. And you go on this roller coaster ride with her. Um, I don't have any favorites marked in this one. Um, But, yeah. Okay. Why don't you like it? Tell me that. Um, well, I'm going to talk about both of them, I guess, at the same time. Oh, do we want to talk about both of them at the same time? Well, I guess just generally speaking. Um, so I was one of the, so here's one thing that I will use is that I, there was a Goodreads review and I forget which one it was. I think it was for that one. And the, the, the person doing the review said, and this is one word at a time, hitting enter after every word does not make it poetry. (laughs) I was like, yeah. And um, another person said emo Tumblr quotes. And I was like, yeah. Um, (laughs) I think emo gets a bad rep. I'm not saying that it's bad. So I did like, okay, I did like, I liked little bits of both of them. All right. I I did appreciate, I thought Amanda Lovelace was a little sassier. Yeah. Um, she had a little bit more of a feminist slant. I liked the fairy tale, the turning the fairy tale around theme. She yeah. has a new book out, you know. Oh. Um, it has another fairy tale. We'll, we'll put the name of it in the... The story of a princess turned damsel. Oh, no, that's nope. the backside no, of the book. No, it's white and red, and we'll, we'll put the name of it in show notes. Um, but it still just felt... So here's what I wrote. <laughs> this is... This sums up probably both of them quite well. Um... I listened to a ton of Alanis Morissette after a bad breakup, uh, listening and crying and singing along passionately with her. Been there, done that, honey. (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, No. So the other thing is, so here's the other piece for me, is um, I think I have a hard time wrapping my brain around some of this because I'm a very private person. And I think... For me, there was maybe a level of discomfort with someone putting all their personal shit out there and making money off of it. And, you know, I I, I really enjoyed what you just said about how, like, you saw it as inspiration for being able to rise up mm-hmm. and come out of things. But I found it hard to relate to because I would never, ever write and publish that type of stuff about myself. But you kind of did when you were going through chemo. So you kept a blog kind of talk. I mean, not into like this gory detail, but you mm-hmm. did share that journey of true the breaking down of your body and the emotions. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do do it. We just do it differently. Okay. Like if you go to therapy, you're basically telling your therapist all the shitty things that have ever yeah. happened to you. Mm-hmm. We have blogs, we have Instagram, we have Facebook. Like we do share. We just yeah. don't make it into a book fair yeah okay that that's a good analogy <laughs> but again I you know and this doesn't sound super prudish of me but it's just <laughs> who I am but like I don't talk about sex and the 
graphic de explicit details with my closest of friends. So I really don't want to read about a stranger. <clears throat> like, I don't even, I just don't enjoy that. Like, I, I don't know. It just. Do you feel that way with fiction pieces? I'm not particularly excited about the sex pieces. No. Or I mean, about the intimacy of, like, if it's a story of a woman being abused. Have you read Big Little Lies? Like, yeah, yeah. So that is, I mean, it's fiction, yes, yeah. but it is kind of giving you all of that information, mm -hmm. but in a different format. And maybe it's because these are real people in not, yeah. uh, you know, I don't but know. But even Jenny Lawlett or... Um, Jenny Lawson. Yeah, I mean, her memoirs. Sure. But, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, and I felt that just, just that discomfort. Like, Samantha Irby's was, again, right. like, I mean, there was some things Hers that got... was crazy, though. I mean, Jenny is also crazy, but she's, yeah. like, a funny crazy. Well, so was Samantha Irby. But, anyways, I, I don't know. I just, I, I think that was just, one, for me, that was one of those things is I felt like I was having this, I was reading this one-sided, intimate conversation with a complete stranger about things that I just didn't really need to know about them. And for me, I wasn't able to take the step that you did of seeing how that could relate to my own life. It mm. just made me a little uncomfortable. I'm like, okay, yeah, so you had some crappy life experiences. All right, we've all had crappy life experiences. I, some of us just choose not to write or talk about them, and you're getting published to write about them. That's cool. So I'm going to read a poem. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, there's no title on it. It is on page 177 if you own the book. And it says, you will come across people who simply cannot wait to watch you fail. There will be many times in which you will fail miserably. But your failures, failures are just what happened. They don't have to be who you are. All you can do is take those mistakes and use them as fertilizers to help you grow. You have to keep moving forward no matter what their voices say. This life is still worth living. Mm -hmm. Like... They do talk a lot about the not pleasant things, but they there's also these beautiful glimpses of enlightenment, of mm -hmm. knowing that you're good enough regardless, that your body is perfect as it is, yeah. that your mind is as perfect as it is. You know, there's another one on the next page on 179 that says, you are not obligated to have children just because your body has that capability. You are so, so much more than the possibility, possibility of children. Mm -hmm. You give birth to oceans every single day. And I think I marked that one too. Yeah. I thought, but, and I think, uh, this is going to sound really bitchy, but I guess I just, I felt no emotional connection to either author. I was just, and, and I'm like, you are... 20 something years old and I was just like I didn't I wasn't inspired by them like it felt a little cliche I didn't it didn't for me it wasn't inspirational at all I was just kind of like yes we all have shitty things that happen to us and we all have the potential to turn around from that I hear you I'm glad that you used this as your vehicle to find catharsis and to find yourself but for me personally and I think what I have noticed is that like some of the people that have raved about this to me at work mm -hmm. are like college age or early 20s and that makes perfect sense to me because they're kind of in the same same life space that these authors are and I've I guess I guess I've kind of figured I, like my life ain't perfect and I haven't figured it all out but this didn't help me move forward I don't know if it's supposed to help you move forward as it's supposed to kind of unite us all as one 
type of, not one person, but, you know, one culture that goes through these ups and downs. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if it's supposed to make you feel like you've learned something, but I think as a victim of sexual assault and abuse, like knowing people out there that have also experienced it Mm -hmm. makes me not feel alone. Like this one, you did absolutely nothing to deserve it. Fuck rape culture. Right. You know, it's, but sometimes you forget that, like as a rape victim, you Mm -hmm. automatically think that you did something to deserve it. Mm -hmm. And even if it's just a simple word, you know, words of this, of like, you actually didn't, Mm -hmm. is kind of sometimes that push that somebody needs to gain their power back. Sure. And And so. And I get that. And I guess maybe I just don't need it. Right. Like like for me, I I hear you 100%. And so like with, I think there's certain people that are in their at a point in their lives where hearing something like this that might be that I do feel united. Right. There are other people out there. But for me, when I'm reading it, I'm just kind of like, okay, well, I, I, I don't know how to articulate what I'm saying other than that. I just, I empathized with the experiences, but I didn't necessarily, it didn't make me feel empowered. It didn't make me feel inspired. It was just kind of like. Do you think poetry is supposed to empower you? Because essentially. But that's what you just said though, is like, if it, I guess, or at least that's what I interpreted what you just said. If that, if it's supposed to let you know that you're not alone and that we all have, have that there's people out there that have had other experiences. To me, that would be an empowering thing. But I don't necessarily know if authors do that as an empowerment like, I think it's the reader's take on what they're reading makes it them feel empowered or not. But essentially, poetry, mm-hmm. everybody who is a poet, Sylvia, Sylvia Plath, all of her poetry is a reflection of her life. Mm-hmm. Whether or not people feel inspired by it or empowered by it is mm-hmm. based on the, you know, the reader of it. She's, I mean, all poets, I think, kind of do this. They just dump all the baggage that they're going through and then it's up to the reader to either identify with it or not feel Mm -hmm. empowered or not like I think them writing the poetry makes them feel empowered Mm -hmm. and then whether or not the reader feels empowered is essentially whether or not that poet jives with them yeah I think for me so you asked about fiction earlier yeah I think the fact that it's fiction is the key for me I have my own pile of baggage that I have dealt with or not dealt with that I carry around with me. And I don't really, this might sound selfish or callous. I don't really get enjoyment about reading about other people's baggage. It doesn't help me in any way. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything for me where if it's fiction and I don't like to read a lot of stuff with a lot of negative pieces Mm -hmm. because for me reading is usually an escape it's I want to read about things that I find interesting enlightening that you know hopefully in most cases lift my heart up sometimes they might make me cry but I guess it's just a little too real when I'm like reading this stuff it's just kind of depressing and it doesn't make me I don't know. It just doesn't work for me. Do you feel that way? Like if a friend comes to you and confides in like the baggage that they're going through? because they're my friend. Right. But I mean, it's essentially the same thing. They're like... I don't know Amanda Lovelace. I'm never going to know her. Right. But if I were to come to you and if I were to like be crying and telling you all of the shitty things that are happening, that's not really a light hearty feeling. Right. And it's not fiction. But you're my friend. Right. So picking up a book that... Well, I didn't pay for this, but picking (laughs) up... Spending money to read about other people's problems 
just is not my thing. But that's what we just read. The girls of the hidden resistance in Afghanistan. That is essentially the same thing. You are reading about another country and culture's problems of changing their little girls into little boys. I know. I just, <laughs> and that is not fiction. And that I, is non fiction. Right. Yeah. You're right. I, I'm, I think I'm, you just don't like poetry. Yeah. I just, it, it's just, it's not my thing. It's um, like short stories aren't my thing. Right. I, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think. I wrote a couple things down. Let me see if I can maybe find one that I did like. Um, <laughs> well, so like this, but again, I mean, I think part of it too is it's going back to that little uh, review that I read is, and I, I don't know. I guess maybe I have, I, I, man, this is hard. <laughs> it feels really mean and unfair to say I have higher standard. I, I expect higher standards, I guess, out of this. So this is, I relate to this, but then I'm like, so this is poetry. I could write this. I mean, I didn't, and I probably couldn't actually, but I, in my head, I'm like, I could write this. If a house does not automatically make a home, then a body doesn't automatically make a home either. I've always felt like a stranger in my skin. So I certainly relate to that. I, I was like, okay, yeah, I've always felt kind of uncomfortable. I'm never like at my ideal weight. Like, like I'm always picking apart the things I don't like about my body. Right. I'm not, I'm never 100% comfortable in my skin ever. And so I get that. But I'm like, okay, well, thanks. I'm glad to know that we both had that experience. Um, <laughs> you know, I know. I'm, I'm really being harsh on her. Um <laughs> this way, I mean, again, I mean, I, I, um, and I, I did like this one better than the other one, but she's like, she writes, I'm not scared of monsters hidden underneath my bed. I'm much more scared of the boys with messy brown hair, sleepy eyes and mouths that only know how to form half truths. And this is where I was like, oh yeah, that reminds me of 99% of the guys that I interacted with through college into my late twenties. Yeah. And I was like, but I'm not there anymore. And I've, and I've, and I've learned that lesson, but I'm like, oh yes, the messy brown hair and sleepy eyes have mm -hmm. truths. Yep. Yep. Sister. I hear you. You know, so but see, I think this kind of goes back to what we view as poetry. Right. Because we're taught at a young age that roses mm -hmm. are red, violets are blue. I can't even think of another thing that rhymes. <laughs> uh, anyway, so there's like this, you know, we're taught that haikus, they rhyme. There's some sort of rhythm to them. Mm -hmm. We're taught that poetry is has to end with the, the same sort of sound after each sentence. But a lot of poets, Robert Frost doesn't do that. Sylvia mm -hmm. Plath doesn't do that. Um, what is his name? He's an older gentleman or he's dead, but he's like a poet in Jane Austen's era. You know, none of them really did that rhyming thing. Sure. I think it was kind of what we were taught in middle school. Well, it doesn't even have to rhyme though. It's just It's kind of like free verse. Right, right. I don't know. So yeah, it's ironic because I just turned to here's one of the poems and this is one of my I wrote really it says number 1, fill in the blank. Poetry is blank. Anything you want it to be. And I'm just like, oh, fuck that. You've used a whole page and put that as a poem. I was like, that is bullshit. <laughs> I was like, no, that is not poetry. That is not. No, 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 no. That is not your view of poetry. It is not my view of poetry. That was a waste of my time to read those three lines. <laughs> That was what that was. <laughs> that was totally what that was. Corey is getting spicy. Yes. And then 
I don't know. Yeah. So I'll stop there. Um, Did you feel this strongly about Rupee? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, again, there was a couple I liked. I, I did like her little drawings in there. I thought those were kind of fun. Um, and again, there was a couple that stood out to me here. I have pictures. I took pictures of them. Um, but again, I mean, in, in some ways, and so like these are very simple, and I think this is why I like them. Uh, so there was, and I don't even know what page it was on. It doesn't matter. But it said one, so one says, it takes grace to remain kind in cruel situations. Yeah. And I liked that a lot. That almost felt like a parable. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then right next to it, it says, fall in love with your solitude. And she has this picture of her staring out um, at mountains. Mm -hmm. But those are super simple. And they're not about love yourself, girl. And I mean, and she was got a little, I think, a little over the, um, a little over the top. I'm trying to find it when she was a little bitter. Oh, oh like this. It must hurt to know I'm your most beautiful regret. Like, I feel like hers was this total, like, fuck you breakup. Like, I think she wrote a lot of these wanting whoever this ex is to read them and her be like, Meh. yeah, um, which again is fine. Like, if that's how she made it through her breakup, writing out her feelings, but or like, yeah, or like this one. The woman who comes after me will be a bootleg version of who I am. She will try and write poems for you to erase the ones I've left memorized on your lips. But her lines could never punch you in the stomach the way mine did. She will never try to make love to your body. Oh, she will then try to make love to your body. <laughs> but she'll never lick, caress, or suck like me. She'll be a sad replacement of the woman you let slip. Nothing she does will excite you, and this will break her. When she's tired of falling apart for a man that doesn't give back what he he takes, she'll recognize me in your eyelids, staring at her with pity, and it'll hit her. How can she love a man who's busy loving someone he can never get his hands on again? That's just bitter. I mean, I would probably write something like that. But you're not going to publish it. Maybe I would. Fuck, if I can make millions of dollars writing shit like that, I will totally do it. Yeah. And then I'll never have to work fall, spring, or winter. <laughs> Which kind of circles back around. So, and again, I feel like, I know this is kind of contradictory. I loved early Alanis Morissette, especially when I was going through a breakup. And I get that that is basically a poem to music. And that was basically her big F you break. I mean, a lot of her songs about breaking up and their big F you's. But and maybe that's the difference. The music and the, and someone else singing it to me evoked the emotion that I wanted. Reading someone else's words on a piece of paper. I'm just like, meh. I just keep thinking, it's like rain on your wedding day. Yeah. I mean, you ought to know, like, oh my gosh, I like saying that so many times after a big breakup. Um, and I get that that's basically what she's doing here. I totally 100% get it. But what I like about Rupi even more is that she is female based. So she is a woman of color. Right. She is a very, I think, comfortable woman. Like she feels confident in herself mm -hmm. and in mm -hmm. her skin. And I think a lot of her poems especially are about women empowerment of your body is a, you know, mm -hmm. a forest and you should honor it or um, I don't have any of my quotes with me, but if you follow me on Instagram, I kind of have been posting a lot yeah. of Ruby just because it is a nice reminder of loving yourself, trying to choose love over hate. Like it's sure. one of them is, you know, it's easier to hate than it is to love. Yeah. And, True. You, you know, there's a lot of 
challenges in my life right now about my workplace and friends mm-hmm. not being friends anymore. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of going through that mm-hmm. shift of mm-hmm. struggling to be okay with myself because somebody has told me that I'm a little too much for them. Like mm-hmm. I'm a little too, not dominant, but I'm a little too honest. Like mm-hmm. I don't have a filter. And so what you get is what you're going to get. And yeah. people sometimes don't appreciate that. And it's not ever in a mean way. Sure. It's just, I'd rather let you know exactly mm-hmm. how I'm feeling mm-hmm. in a mindful way than to try and sugarcoat it. And, yeah. you know, when somebody and then tells about, you, yeah. like, you're a little too much for me, like, I can't be your friend mm-hmm. anymore, like, that that hurts. That hurts. Yeah. And that's not even like a breakup with a partner, that's mm-hmm. a breakup with a friend. Yeah. And knowing that you, you know, I love fiercely. I will be your friend until you screw me over or you say something like that. And then it comes into this animosity of now I dislike you. And the next person that you find is not going to be as good as me, or I'm not going to, you're not going to find as good of a friend as me or, you know, whatever. And that is a little egotistical, but it is, it is interesting when somebody basically insults your whole entire personality Mm -hmm. and then you're kind of like, do I need to change or no, but it's heartbreaking, you know, especially if it's from a family member or a partner Mm -hmm. or even a friend or somebody you don't know, like it is kind of a breaking of your stability or Mm -hmm. your foundation. And I think what I really liked about rupees is that you can feel that like she has been broken and she is trying to build herself up. So she goes through the ego of like, you'll never find someone better than me. Mm -hmm. But then she kind of evolves into this like loving yourself, loving your personality, Mm -hmm. loving who you are and Mm -hmm. where you are. And if people don't appreciate that, then they don't deserve to be in your life. Sure. So it is kind of, hers is more evolutionary, I think, than Amanda Lovelace's was. Like hers Mm -hmm. was, I feel, very childhood trauma driven. Right. And Rupees is very mature in a different way of Mm -hmm. she has a breakup, but then she's building herself back up with her poetry. Yeah. And we all do it. Like, I will buy a fancy new pair of shoes if I feel upset to be like, I got sparkles on my shoes. Right. So. No, and I think and I think that's why people are drawn to poetry. And I think, so here it is. I think it's just a personality thing of yeah. what you need. I think certain people are drawn to poetry because they find that solace or they find right. that inspiration. Um, for me, I, it, I just, it, my brain doesn't work that way. Right. Probably the closest is music. Mm-hmm. And which kind of makes sense. I think I need that full sensory for, for it to have like that connection. Like I need that right. auditory as well as that visual. Mm-hmm. I just, it's, it's too flat for me when it's just words on a page, I think. Yeah. And I liked rupees cause she did have those drawings and, and they were really yeah. beautiful. Yeah. There was yeah. some really pretty drawings. Mm-hmm. So, and I did have one last one, which maybe is a good one to end on. Are you ready <laughs> for it? And I think this could apply to friends as well as lovers, lovers. You may not have been my first love, but you were the love that made all the other loves irrelevant. Mm. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. So screw that person who said you're too much. I know, right? God, it's been breaking me. Mm. (sighs) Well, here's the thing. I mean, we are who we are. Yeah. And we can certainly try and change and adjust for other people, or we can stay true to who we are and know that sometimes it's just not a good fit. Yeah. And there are other people like you and all my other friends that value my touchy-feely bluntness. But it's hard. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's really no good mourning process for a friendship. No. Like for a breakup with a, with a sexual partner, there, you know, 
But like when you have, but there's heartache with losing friends. Yeah. And we don't, I don't think we acknowledge that and provide enough support on that. So I think our friend, Laura, Laura and I broke up a long time ago. We spent like a year Mm -hmm. really Mm -hmm. kind of just being separate. And then it was just so beautiful to like have it naturally come back together. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I've missed you so much. And like, we're Mm -hmm. both in different spaces and it's now, and now it's better. Like Mm -hmm. now it's working Mm -hmm. out better, Yeah. but it's hard in those moments of like, yeah. Gotta take a break. Gotta take a break. Whoops, made a noise. All right. Well, we're going to take a break. <laughs> what are we going to talk about when we come back? We are going to talk about our next books that we're reading. Oh, okay. Um, but we're going to take a break and talk about our sponsor for today. And then we'll let you know what's coming up next. Maybe something a little less intense. <laughs> Today's sponsor is IndieBound. And we are an affiliate with IndieBound. They are a collaboration between the independent bookstore members of the American Booksellers Association. And it's all about independent bookstores and the power of local first shopping. And as someone who has a lot of education and passion around sustainability, I can't emphasize enough of supporting your locally owned independent businesses. Um, They put more money back into the economy of their local communities with taxes, payroll purchases. So for you all, when this happens, this means more money for your schools, for parks, for police and fire departments and roads, all in your neighborhood because the money stays in your community. I did a little research and how much do you think, think off the top of your head, how much do you think you tend to save when you buy a book from one of those really big places whose names we won't say maybe like a dollar a little more than that but on average i i kind of looked at some current best-selling new releases hardcovers mm-hmm. and the average savings was about six to ten dollars a book okay which is a lot yeah i get that i 100 percent get that so then my brain went to well what does that really equate to what does six to ten dollars in our lives really equate to two coffees two coffees Yeah, Mm -hmm. maybe a lunch out. Mm -hmm. And I'm willing to bet that all of us over the course, no matter how frugal we are, over the course of a week or a month, we probably fritter that away, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So wouldn't it make more sense to keep your money local and maybe invest and pay full price for a book, knowing that that money goes, number one, more money of that money goes back to the author, and granted, you know, we have some big name authors out there that maybe don't need that extra dollar too. But I, I, th- I want to say, shoot, I should have written this down. I want to say that the author only gets about 7% of the book sales. Oh, wow. Yeah. Pretty small. Yeah. So for me, as you can tell, my pitches <laughs> is you should buy local. And IndieBound um, is a great way to do that because number one, as I said, they support local bookstores. But the other cool thing is you'll notice... Um, our new affiliate links for all of our books is through IndieBound. And what they do is when you go there, it's going to take you to their website and you can either look for a local bookstore or if you live in Flagstaff, go to Brightside. <laughs> um, or, but you can buy books there too. So you can search for books and you can buy them. And part of that money then goes back to supporting local bookstores as a whole through this mm. association. So that's my pitch. I know we all want to save a little money, but we should also be thinking about who's getting that money. Shop local. Shop local. You know, shop for organizations that are empowering the money to go back to the people who really need it. That's my plug. And our sponsor, IndieBound. (laughs) (sighs) I should have gone into sales and marketing, huh? (laughs) All All right. right. So, 
um, hopefully the timing works out on this. I think it will. So May is Asian Pacific Heritage Month. <laughs> I think this will be the end of May. Yeah, probably. We'll see. Who knows? We're just rolling. <laughs> we'll make it work. And so Carrie and I have picked books that are by um, authors of a Asia Pacific descent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Since I'm talking, I'll just keep going. I picked, I've had this on my bookshelf for a while, and I've heard such great things about it. It's The Hotel on the Corner of Bitter and Sweet. And it is written by Jamie Ford, which I know does not sound like an Asian Pacific Mm -hmm. name, but I did look him up and he is actually um, of Asian Pacific descent. So it says, in 1986, Henry Lee joins a crowd outside the Panama Hotel, once the gateway to Seattle's Japantown. It has been boarded up for decades, but now the new owner has discovered the belongings of Japanese families who were sent to internment camps during World War II. As the owner displays and unfurls the Japanese parasol, Henry, a Chinese-American, remembers a young Japanese-American girl from his childhood in the 1940s. So it kind of goes from there. And I think this is really um, an unspoke about part of our history of how we rounded up everyone of Asian descent and put them in internment camps during the World War. So I'm looking forward to uh, reading a fictionalized account of that and um, seeing the Seattle setting I think will be really fun, too. Man, mine is completely different than yours. That'll be good. Yeah. So I picked The Snowflower and the Secret Fan by Lisa C. She is part Chinese um, and grew up in Los Angeles. And so the story goes, in 19th century China, in a remote Hunan country, a girl named Lily at the tender age of seven is paired with the Lao Tong, or Old Same, in an emotional match that will last a lifetime. The Lao Tong Lao Tong, Snowflower, introduces herself by sending Lily a silk fan on which she has written a poem in Nushu, a unique language that Chinese women created in order to communicate in secret. As the years pass, Lily and Snowflower send messages on the fan and compose stories on handkerchiefs, reaching out of isolation to share their hopes, dreams, and accomplishments. I love Lisa C. I've never read any of her, but Uh, I bought this book like two years ago and I haven't read it, so I figured it was perfect. I haven't read that in about probably 10 years so i'm looking forward to rereading it but you didn't mark it as read on goodreads that's okay i stalk you on goodreads before i make oh, my geez. book choices <laughs> no no i'm looking for i still I, I kept it right so that yeah. tells you that i really liked it that's true um and i love all her stuff so i'm, I'm looking forward to rereading it and seeing what i get out of it a second time around cool cool all right all right well until next time have, y'all a, good have a good one, one. bye Hey, book friends, we hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Thanks for listening along with us. Head over to our podcast site to share your recommendations and your opinions with us on the books we have read. That website is booksandteapodcast.com. It's also where you will find our podcast show notes with a full list of titles for the books, along with our favorite tea and what we mentioned today. If you are on any social media, feel free to stop by our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter accounts. You will find those links on our website. To be the first to hear about the next new podcast and what we are working on, make sure you are signed up to our newsletter. 